talks about in Parshas Lachacha, one of the Parshas Vayera, one of the things is uh, a strange medrash which explains the background of Akedas Yitzchak because the, you wonder why is there was there any trigger that triggered the test or was it just uh, a, a natural thing that Amavino had to go through many tests and this was the final one so that's that's an approach that uh, a lot of people have there wasn't any special trigger it just triggered it it was it was a, it was a natural course of Amavino's life so that we'll talk about uh, after we do this thing, that's Rabbi Simon in the book in Baruch, he discusses this approach that it's part of life. Maybe we should do that because that's maybe like a more of a mainstream way of looking at it. Okay, so let's talk about Rabbi Simon, what he has in Imei Baruch, Maimar Zion, and Pashas Vayera. So, um, So the concept is that life is a series of tests. So we know there's a, there's a tremendous, uh, I guess, uh, misunderstanding, which is very normal, is that people, generally people, especially today in the West, especially in the United States, have this expectation that life is going to be very smooth. The goal is to have a very easy ride, right? Shouldn't be any bumps, shouldn't be any breakdowns, everything should go nicely, smoothly. That's the goal of American life, and and people, Americans, when we're Americans, it's not true today, no, Europe also, have this expectation that that's the way life is supposed to be. Life's supposed to be smooth. However, the, this view of the Akeda and the fact that the first Jew, Abraham, had ten tests, and this is a very, very severe test, very difficult to kill one's own son after waiting a hundred years till the boy was born. He only he waited a hundred years, and he gets the, the son, and the big, big tzaddik, and this son is going to be the one to carry on all his teachings and his his Talmud Muvok, his main student, and Sarah's only son, to say to go and kill him is an incredibly difficult thing for anybody to do, especially Avram. So, the, so this, I, so, so according to this view, it's not something, even though it was very unusual, such a thing, Extraordinary, but everybody in his way, in his life, was going to have very large, difficult challenges. And, and this this concept is that it's it's basic part of God's creation of people is that life is going to be hard at certain times, very hard. And uh, that, as just we see with Abraham, that it was the hardest possible thing for him to do, 
but that turned out to be his greatest act. And that's the merit which all the Jewish people forever use when things are really difficult, like Rosh Hashanah, and you want to have something to, to hang on to, to assure that we get a good judgment. We, always, we, we, we read the Akedah Yitzchak, we mention it in the davening, very prominently we blow the shofar, which is because of Akedah Yitzchak. So it, it, it was a monumental event, so powerful that it's literally the anchor for all the Jewish people forever, ever, ever. But it comes from a very, very difficult situation where Hashem tells him to go kill his own son. So, what it does is, is it shows us that this very difficult situation which Avram has is a model for everybody. Everyone is going to have uh, inevitably, I would say 99.99% of all people inevitably at some point will have an extremely difficult situation to deal with. It's part of life. So, uh, Rabbi Simon is dealing with this uh, issue, and he quotes a very interesting parish from Yerbjornis and Ibershitz, in, the, in this Sefer Teferis Yonason, where he writes that it says that Abram was supposed to take Yitzhak to, to Eretz HaMoriyah, right? It's the HaMoriyah, the famous place, the land where the Zubayi Migdash was eventually built, and it's called Moriyah. So what does the word Moriyah represent? So in the Medrash, there's a few pshatim. One pshat says Moriyah is Lashon Mor. Mor is a spice, a good fragrant spice. Mor is one of the spices in the Ketorah. Mor, Ketzil. So one of the 11 spices is the Mor. It's a very good smell. Take him to the land of the good smelling fragrances. That's what the major says. It's Hamaria. So why do we need that? Why, 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 is, why is that? But it's a strange major. I think Rashi may even quote it in his interpretation. So why is, why do we, why is that brought into the Akedah? The fact that it's Moria, it's a place of the more, the more plant which makes a good fragrance. So he says, the Yonis and Irish, it says that um, every person has good and evil in his person, in his or her personality. Right? And um, the, ch the fundamental most basic goal of human life is to is that the that the good should control the evil. That we should that we definitely have urges and tendencies to do bad things, but and the goal is to get control. Either to control the evil that it stops bothering us, or even maybe flip it the other way, somehow make evil into something good. So that's the goal of life. Now, what is in the Ketoros? This is a famous thing that everybody says. The Gemara says that the Ketoros had 11 spices which were mixed together, and then they put on the Mizbeach, the Ketoros, every day, twice a day. 
Uh, one of those spices is called chelb benot. Chelb benot by itself has a terrible uh, smell. You mix it together with the other ten, it's very good. That, by itself, it's a terrible smell, but when it's mixed with the other ten, some, it gives something to the other ten, some spicy type of uh, fragrance that everything is much better with the chelb benot. So that's supposed to teach us that this thing which by itself is, is repulsive, it doesn't smell good, you wouldn't like it by itself, you mix it with a lot of good things, it turns in, it blends in and makes everything even better. So that's to teach us that life is this mixture of Ra with Tov. So we should know that if we're able somehow to control the Ra, or even use it in a good way, it makes the tov better. That combination of ra and tov is, is really the best. That's what the Gemara says, that v'mokhem shabalei tshuva omdim takulat tzadikim gemurim The tzadik is a guy who never did any avera ever, but the Baal tshuva did sins, and he fixed them. So he's even greater than the tzadik who never sinned. And we do know that in terms of our heroes, the Jews in, in Torah, who are the heroes in Torah? So who are the people who never sinned that we have in, in our tradition? Yamin and Yisha. Yamin and Yisha. Uh, Kalev? No. Kalev, I don't think. Okay. It's David's son. It starts with the Kalev. Kalev's sons, maybe Mephiboshes? Maybe. I'm on the father of Moshe. Yeah. Okay, so you have three or four people. Now, are these the most famous? Would you say, if you had to make a group of super famous people for the Am Yisrael, the Torah, versus regular known people, but not super famous. Not one of these four people is super famous. Not uh, Yishai, not Binyamin, not Amram, not Ishbosheth. These are people who know them, they're in the Torah. But they're not super famous. You don't compare them to Abraham, Yisrael, Yaakov, Moshe, David, Yosef. So, and, and according to the tradition, those are the few people who never sin. But everybody else, Abraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Moshe, Aaron, Yosef, David, the top seven that are the Shpizen, every single one has a sin, has a sin. So every single one had to be about tshuva, because for sure they fixed it. So we see that the, literally it's it's a clear illustration that the bali tshuva are greater than the tzadigamu, because the purpose of life is to confront the evil, sometimes to stumble and and lose the battle, but in the long run to overcome to be the bali tshuva. So that's the goal. So the goal is that the chelbana should actually mix into the ketores. Make it up. So every person should be a ketores. He should have chelbana, which is his evil, which he confronted, fought, and somehow overcame it and turned it around. And now he's much better than he never had this struggle with the evil. So he's ketores. So that's why here by this akeda he says, take him take him to Eretz HaMoriah, the land of the Mor, the land of the Ketores, because 
It's, it looks like you're going to be doing something evil, very difficult. You know, it's, he doesn't understand what he has to do here. So uh, everything that, about it sounds evil, but he knows it has to be good because Hashem tells it to him. So he's struggling with evil and good in this situation. And he goes to Hannah Maria that if, you, if, if, you're, if you're able to overcome this challenge, you get a much better uh, level. So that's what's going on, according to the... To Ronis and Ibishit at the Arcade. And uh, Rabbi Simon brings down here, there's a also famous medrash that the angels were crying during this Arcade. They say that, that those tears may just look blind. Anyway, why were the angels crying? It's, uh, it's in the medrash. So, he says because angels don't have the struggle of, of trying to overcome evil with good. Angels are purely good. They don't have a struggle with evil. So when they saw what Avram and Binu and Yisuk had done by the Arcana, they saw how they were able to be in a challenging situation which seemed to have a lot of evil there which they had to sort of overcome. And they did. So that made them cry. They were crying that um, they themselves could never do such a thing. So, the, um, the Ramchal, the Moshe Chaim Ratzato, he writes one of his books, he says that this, that the reason Hashem did this with people, giving us uh, these struggles between good and evil, is because that gives us a more reward. If you wouldn't have the struggle, Hashem would give people good things in Olam He would give them reward, but people would be sort of embarrassed. Why am I getting all these good things? I don't deserve it. So that's a, it, it creates a certain level of embarrassment. So in order that people should feel, oh, I'm getting this reward, I do deserve it. I'm not embarrassed was tough and I accomplished and now I get the reward so that it's good for a person to get that feeling of an accomplishment and that's why Hashem made the world like this it's a very interesting point Hashem wants people to, to get blessings but they should feel that they deserve the blessings they shouldn't feel it's a charity it's a hand that's what uh, Ram Chal says Okay, now there's a, there's a beautiful pshat, which I was, when I saw this pshat, I said, wow, this is an amazing pshat. This pshat is said by a sefer called Avodas Yisrael. I don't know who wrote it, but anyway, it says like this. It says that when Yaakov was fighting the angel, the angel said, let me go. I have to, I have to, I have to go. Yaakov says, no, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me, which means you have to agree that I deserve the blessings of Yitzchak and not Esau, because this angel was the angel of Esau, the Satan, and he was fighting Yaakov. Basically, he was trying to get Yaakov to do do something evil, maybe think some evil thought. I don't exactly know. No one knows exactly what the struggle was about, but 
it was a struggle that Yaakov had to deal with it, and he defeated the angel, means that he defeated these evil thoughts or forces, whatever they were. But the angel says, you have to send me, you have to let me go. I have to go, it's my turn to sing Shira. Such a strange, Rashi quotes it. It's in the Medrash. Well, what's going on here? He has this, he's fighting with Yaakov, and Yaakov defeated him, and now he has to go say Shira. What is this song he has to do? And we also know from Medrashim that angels only say Shira once in their lifetime. People say Shira, we say Shira every day. Many times. But an angel can only say Shiva to Hashem once in his lifetime. That sense. So, so it turns out that this was the day that this angel of Esau has to say Shiva. Why is he all of a sudden he has to sing a song to Hashem after today? So he says, the chat is because this angel, he's the angel of Esau, he's the Satan, his mission is to get people to sin. But the thing is, is that the ultimate final goal of the angel, the, the Satan, the Yitzhahara, tries to make people sin. That is his goal, to make people sin? No, he says, the goal is to tempt people to sin and that they should successfully overcome the temptation and not sin. That's the goal of the angel. The angel is not there actually to, to make the person really sin. He's there to tempt him to sin so that the person overcomes the temptation and do what's good, and then the angel has accomplished. So therefore, when did this angel, who's the Yetzirah angel, get that real accomplishment? With Yaakov, because Yaakov was the ultimate Jew, because from him comes all the Jews. And during that struggle with the angel, he went through every possible test that the Jews would go through in, in this way. I, we don't know exactly know what it was, but somehow. And um, he defeated the angel. It means he didn't give in to the temptations. It means ultimately the Jewish people will go through all these tests, temptations, and ultimately conquer. So that was, so he accomplished, so it turns out that the angel accomplished his true mission. His true mission is that the Jewish people, Yaakov, should overcome the evil. And that, that was the point that Yaakov did overcome the evil. So he said, oh, now I should, it's my turn to go and sing. So I did accomplish my mission that uh, Yaakov was able to withstand the temptations. Now is my time to go sing to Hashem praise that I fulfilled my mission. That's what the time for to do Shiva. Okay, that's a very nice shot. Anyway, this whole... Um, discussion here is that the Akeda, the ultimate test, maybe the most difficult as you can imagine, but it's a, it's a model for everybody. Everybody is going to have their Akeda, is going to have a very difficult situations, and that is the goal of life, to deal with it. A lot of times it's going to be with evil, some kind of temptation, bad to do something bad, involved in something bad be hard not to do it. And if you can overcome it, that's exactly what the goal of life is. And then you get the reward without being embarrassed that Hashem has given the good things. You deserve the good things. So anyway, this is, uh, we call this a mainstream discussion of the Arcade. Okay. Now, the 
shame, in this article here, the, from the Shem I wouldn't say it's, it's, I would call it a different way of looking at it. Uh, okay, so let's see what, how he's going to do this. Okay. He has a different approach that the Medrash says to, the first approach is that this is mainstream, this is, this kind of a situation is normal and everybody has to go through it. So there was no special trigger. It was just, this is the ultimate development of Avmavinu's personality. All the different situations, the final situation. And uh, so this was, you know, it's part of his life. So it's, it's a regular part of life. But, but not, not, no special event triggering it. The Shemishmul has a medrash which says, no, it was a trigger. Something triggered it. Now, there's a famous Rajbam, Perish Rajbam in the Chumash, who also has this view that there was a trigger. Amavinu did something wrong, and the Akedah was a punishment. He did something wrong, and for this he was punished with such a test. So you have to know what was the thing he did wrong, and why is this test the way to fix that wrong? Anyway, the Rajbam says, the Rajbam says, because this story, it says in the Chumash, that's supports the trigger theory. After something, after certain things happen, Hashem tested Avram. So this, this approach says, oh, there was something that he did or that happened, and that's the trigger. So the Rajbam says, because he made a treaty with Abimelech. Right before the story of the Akedah, there's a whole story about Abimelech, comes with Pichol, and he makes a whole peace treaty with Abraham, and the Abraham gets the well of Be'er Sheva, and they promise that they and their descendants will always have peace. So that's a, a treaty with the Plishtim. So the Rashbam, he quotes also Medrash, he says the fact that Abraham made a treaty with the Plishtim was a very bad thing, was a very big mistake, because this is Eretz Yisrael. You're not supposed to have other nations living there. God promised Eretz Yisrael to him and to his children. What in the world is he doing making a treaty to let the Plishtim have a kingdom in Eretz Yisrael? How could he do that? So that's what the Medrash is very critical of Avram, and says because of this, the Jewish people in Israel will always suffer from the Plishtim. And Adiyah who are the Jewish enemies inside Israel? Plishtim, Palestinians. Ram is the same name. And this is a Medrash written thousands of years ago that says that all the way back, the Plishtim are always our enemies throughout history by David and Melech, there were Plishtim, and so on and so forth. So they say Plishtim are always going to be there and always making trouble because of Avinu making that treaty. So that was a terrible mistake. And that by Hiachad Vomeila, after he does that, Hashem triggers that, that triggers the test of the Akedah. So he, in other words, what, so Kontrashbam means like this. There was, the way he's interpreting it, he's saying that Amavinu was a little bit too confident about all the blessings and the promises and prophecies that Hashem had told him. So, he was relaxed about letting the Plishtim be in Israel. God promised it to us, it'll be okay. Right now I have to make a treaty 
And uh, God promised me, so it'll work out. There'll be plishtim. It'll work out. Like you have today, the Jews are in control, but there still are Palestinians there. So that kind of a thing was like Avram Avinu's, where they had the Israeli government or people, some groups in Israel said, we should make peace with the Palestinians. Exactly what Avram Avinu did was they, they'll be, we're in charge, and they'll be like, they won't bother us, but we let them stay. So make, let's make peace, Oslo, it's cool. Okay. So it's still how the Yomazet, people are still thinking like that. So it's being a little bit overconfident because turned out to push them on such nice, friendly neighbors. They turned out to be big enemies living in the country, and you couldn't really get rid of them so well because of the treaty. So that's, so Rajbam says, that's the Akeda. The Akeda also, it's the Meshach is, you think that every, once God promised you it's so simple, you can take it for granted, you can take it as well for granted, and you can even, you think you can take it, the biggest promise that God gave you was your beloved son, Yisak. You think you can take him for granted? Look, there's an Akeda. You have to kill him. You can't take anything, even after you promise and after you have everything. Don't take it for granted. You can, God forbid, you can always lose it. Any blessings that you have, there's no guarantee that they will stay. You have to always be on guard, not to do anything to risk the blessing which you have. So Avram Havin has two amazing blessings. He has the blessing of the land of Israel, the blessing of, of children and the Jewish people. And he's risking it by doing uh, things like this. So that's, the, that's how the Rajbam interprets it. So the trigger, there was a trigger, and there was a reason for this, okay, the, okay now the Shem Shmuel has a different uh, trigger. So he has a medrash which says, uh, he says like this, the Medrash says, says, after certain things came this Akeda. So the Medrash says, because Avram Avinu was thinking, he says there was a problem, and Avram Avinu was thinking that he's not going to get any more rewards. He thought he already received all his rewards. He was, he was thrown into the fire by Nimrod, and he got out, he had a war with the four kings, and he defeated them. Now he has the gift of Eretz Yisrael, the gift of Yitzchak. He's, I'm wealthy. Kings honor me and seek my alliances. So most probably, he says, all the reward I get for good deeds is done. I, I'm not going to get any special reward in all of my book. In other words, the concept... You can get reward for good deeds in Olam and you get reward for good deeds in Olam but you get in both worlds or one or the other. You say, I have so many blessings in this world, that means I got all my reward. In this world, Olam I'll be a regular, you know, plain Joe, plain Abe. No one's going to give any special things in Olam So that's a mistake. That's a mistake. For that, you have to bring the Akeda. Such a big mistake. You have to understand what's the Akeda to do with that. And in a way, isn't it always true that Sadiqim think they're unworthy of Hashem's blessings? So what's going on here? So he says like this. He says there's a Pasuk to Hillam. It says, Hashem chesed ki ata He says, God, you have a lot of mercy. 
You pay people according to their actions. This is a paradoxical statement. You have chesed, it's in Tillam 62. Samach Beis, Pasuk 13. It says, you have kindness, you pay people according to their actions. It doesn't make any sense. Kindness you give, means you give somebody something he doesn't deserve. And paying people for their actions, you pay him what he does deserve. So he says, Shem Shmuel says, no, the truth is that reward for mitzvahs is pure kindness. It's not something that people deserve. Because Jews are avadim, shal Hashem. So a slave doesn't get paid. We're a slave of Hashem, we don't get paid. For every person is God's slave. God created everybody. He makes everybody live every second. He makes people's bodies function. Gives us the ability to think. So we're completely his. So every moment of a person's life is a blessing. It's a divine gift. Now, when somebody creates something, he owns it. If I build something, I own it. Rav Chaim said, farmer owns the crops, not because he, the seed belonged to him. He owns the crops because he put the seed into the ground and made the thing grow. So if you make something come into this world, you own it. That's a Kenyan, of a Yotza, of a creator. It's like the, the concept of a copyright or a patent. You create something, you get ownership rights. So Hashem created everything, so he owns everything. He owns everything. So now, if he owns everything, so there's what's, what's the logic of getting reward for doing good things? You have to do good things because you're basically just doing what Hashem wants you to do because he's in charge of everything. He owns you. Do what he wants. So why should there be reward? So that's why it says, There's really no reward, the Gemara says, for a mitzvah in this world. In other words, even if God does give us reward, but it's not something which we deserve, it's a gift. That's what that Pasuk means. The Pasuk says, Shem is chesed, and he pays people for doing good deeds. That's a gift. That's not something which, in theory, we deserve, because we, we don't own ourselves. We, God owns us, so therefore, he doesn't have to give us anything. He gives us life, he gives us food, plenty. Everything he gives us is a gift. So therefore, the reward for a mitzvah is a gift. It's a chesed. That's the point. It's a chesed. So a person should never say, I did such good things, now I get this reward because I deserve it. Getting the reward itself is a gift. It's a gift. But these gifts are real because God does give reward. But we have to understand it's, it's a chesed. We get it, we can maybe expect it, but it's a chesed. Now, Avram Avinu, um, he was confused about this whole thing. He was the first Jew, he didn't learn Torah, really, so he was confused. No. He thought that doing good deeds gets reward, and, um, and so you can use it up. He didn't understand that the reward is just a chesed gift, and there's no limit to chesed. God can give as much as he wants. So just because a person has gifts and blessings, Say well that so that that's I got my salary I got I got what I'm supposed to get it's not true you never get what you're supposed to get everything you get is a chesed and once it's chesed there's no limit God can give you 
whatever, anything for this one good deed. So, So, so this, so, so therefore, just a little bit on this concept that the reward could be limitless for anything a person does good could be limitless reward because the reward is not payment. So you can say it's a quid pro quo. A big deed gets a big amount of reward. A small deed gets a small reward. It's not wages for effort. It's God's beneficence. He decides to give gifts to people who do good things. And he can decide for one deed to give tremendous blessings. Okay. So, and this we have many sources where a person does one good thing and that can make an amazing amount of blessings. So, that's in the Baal Shem Tov. That's so actually, it's a Rambam says this. I think the Rambam would say it's a, it's a Hasidish idea, but it's in the Rambam. Why? Because the Rambam has tshuva. He writes in chapter 3, halacha 8, he says, a person should always look at himself and the world as equally balanced between merit and sin, between mitzvah and aveva. So if he performs one sin, he tips the balance and that of the entire world to the side of guilt, brings destruction upon himself and the world. On the other hand, if he performs one mitzvah, he tips his balance and that of the entire world to the side of merit, brings deliverance and salvation to himself and to others. So the Rambam writes that every person should always say, this one thing I'm going to do right now, or not to, is going to tip the whole world for good or the whole world for bad. So how can a person say such a thing? One little thing I'm going to do, I learn, I say a pasuk, I say a bracha. Every time I say a bracha, I should think that I'm literally saving the whole world. So the answer is because the merit of a single event is completely up to Hashem, how much he's going to give. And he could give an infinite amount. No one knows. We don't understand how Hashem makes that call. But it's certainly not based upon what we would say quid pro quo. Our simple mitzvah gets a small amount of reward. Big mitzvah gets big reward. No, we, we have. No one knows how the schaver mitzvah works. Heavy zorba mitzvah, kalaka, bachamura. It looks to you like a simple, easy mitzvah. Should be, could be should be as important to you. It's a big, very strong mitzvah. The reward is is not based upon any kind of human calculation. Therefore, one mitzvah, even let's say saying one bracha, I say one bracha, this one bracha could save YU from losing the case in the Supreme Court. One boy says one bracha, so there's a, that merit, YU will win the Supreme Court. You never know. That's what the Rambam says, you never know. So, so this is a completely different thing from what Avram Avinu was thinking. He was thinking quid pro quo, deeds and merits. You can, run, you can use up your merits, get so many blessings, and basically you use everything up. It's completely wrong. It's, there's no quid pro quo. It's pure God's beneficence. He gives good things to people, and he uses the good deeds as a way to trigger giving the, the sakhan. Okay.
Okay, so it's very important to be strong now about any single little mitzvah. So, so how did the uh, Akedah, well, the Akedah showed him that this Akedah became then, in a certain way, like the greatest mitzvah ever done for the benefit of the Jews, because now we use it every year in Rosh Hashanah to get a good judgment for all the Jews in the world, whoever were and will be. So that's the lesson that you have no idea, Avraham, of the merit of a mitzvah. You think you can figure out how much reward gets a certain mitzvah? Look, you're doing this mitzvah. It's a very difficult mitzvah. But would you think that every single Jew who ever will live is going to use that mitzvah on Rosh Hashanah? After all, it's just you. You're one man. And Yisrael is one person. So you two people are doing a deed which is going to literally protect every Jew forever? We never think such a thing. So, but it does. So that's to show you that you don't know what the reward for mitzvahs are. And every single mitzvah could be the most difficult mitzvah, like the arcade, or could be a little mitzvah, like saying a bracha. Hashem gives a, a, a large amount of reward. You don't, could be infinite for anything. So that's, I've always, I always say this, that we are living in a time which has tremendous blessings. The financial blessings that the Jews have is incredible. Israel here, also after 2,000 years, we're back in Israel. The country's exploding in population and building and everything. So the amazing level of blessing. Torah learning is the highest it's been in thousands of years. Chesed is the highest. So it's an amazing level of blessing. So I don't think it's because the mitzvahs that we do today are creating so much reward. No, the mitzvahs which were done over the thousands of years since Avraham till today, 3,500 years of so many mitzvahs, creates this incredible amount of blessing today. So it means that a person living 700 years ago did some mitzvah that's working today to help all, you know, all his offspring, or maybe all the Jews, because somebody did something 700 years ago. Because you don't know the effect of a mitzvah. You don't know how much limitless reward can come out of it. So when we do things today, it's going to help our great, great, great grandchildren now in the future. That the arcade of Avram helps everybody down the road. So don't think, oh, I'm not doing such big things. I'm doing small things. It's not so important. No, everything you do is extremely important. Okay. Good. Thank you, Eddie.